0: Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. There is a very familiar character here in the Bible that we looked at even last Christmas and it's a very special person, a very special man and while in Israel I had the opportunity to be there and teach in much of where this took place and God got a hold of my heart one afternoon and I haven't been able to let go since and even on the plane ride home I went back and forth and thought, well, we probably need to pick a new character this Christmas to look at and to study together. Uh, But the Lord really wouldn't let go of this man about which we are going to read this morning. Uh, Some of it may be a review for you. Maybe this character study is something that is brand new. You've never heard any of it. And I would pay attention closely to what's taking place. This is right after the birth of our Lord and Savior, What we've got to take into context even before we read this is now that the Lord's been born in Bethlehem, so many prophecies are being fulfilled literally each and every day that He's alive on earth, every step that His parents take, everything that happens in the land is so fulfilling prophecy that's been prophesied for over 400 years, some of it over 700 years, And so every detail about every action and every person is of great importance as it pertains to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His birth. Go to Luke 2. We'll go to eight days after He's been born. We'll go to the 21st verse. We'll read together. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, His name was called what? Jesus, which was so named of the angel before He was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christs. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thou servant, depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Verse 32, you ought to pay attention to. It says this, a light to lighten the who? The Gentiles. That's me and that's you. And the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This morning, the help of the Lord for just a few minutes, I want us to look at the Psalm of Simeon the Righteous. The Psalm of Simeon the Righteous. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to come back into your presence and God, to preach the word of God without fear and without favor. Lord, I pray for a few minutes you would stir your people, God, that you would draw them closer to your word, that God, we'd see exactly what you'd want us to see today. God, hide me behind the cross and use me as a clean vessel, God, to deliver the message that you put on my heart. Lord, thank you for the gospel of Luke. God, thank you for how Luke wrote his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And God, that we don't have to worry, we don't have to doubt, we do not have to fear that our Bible this morning is the authority for which we can depend our entire life on. God, that we can rest and know, thus saith the Lord God. I pray today that you would encourage every heart that's here. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen and amen. The first thing you need to notice, the first thing you need to pay attention to are these few characters that have been mentioned here in the first parts of Jesus' life and his ministry here on earth. There's this mother, Mary. There is this father, Joseph. He's not an earthly father. He is simply in the role of that father. He is not Jesus' biological father, and then we find Simeon. You read on, you'll read about a prophetess named Anna. There are many people that are mentioned, but the culture of the day and the place in which Israel was at was in a desperate place. But Mary and Joseph were following the custom, they were following the law, and eight days after his birth, Jesus is named, Jesus is circumcised, and he's taken to the temple, and he's offered there back to God who gave him. And in these few people, this handful of people, there's an element that we all have to pay attention to and understand. I think sometimes we take it for granted. But Mary, Joseph, and Simeon, especially, are righteous people. The Bible calls them, on purpose, righteous. Mary and Joseph are wonderful, young, righteous teenagers. And they're teenagers that God has chosen to safeguard after the babe. Jesus. Jesus is going to be under the safeguard of Mary and Joseph as he grows up. And God would not have picked an unclean vessel to be the parent, to be the sponsor of his growth on this earth. Remember, Jesus is all God and all man, and the humanity of Jesus needs a parent. And notice that God did not leave Mary alone, but he brings Joseph to her to help fill that role that Jesus would need. But the most important thing that we must understand about Mary, about Joseph, and about Simeon is that God calls them righteous. Mary's qualification of righteousness is found in the first chapter of Luke, the 28th verse. Matthew one gives us a glimpse of Joseph's response to the angel of the Lord, his tenderness, his pliability to God. And these things are very important that we understand that they're righteous. And then secondly, that they belong to the remnant of Israel that has not given up believing and trusting God for the prophecies that have been spoken hundreds of years prior. These are righteous people a portion of the remnant. They'd not given up on even what Malachi had said 400 years prior, that Jehovah would send his messenger and that he would come with healing in his wings. But most people, many people in Israel had given up on this. The 400 years of silence has led many astray. Many are in false idol worship. Many are following after their own righteousness and no longer seeking after the righteousness of God. For anyone to be called righteous, God is the one who must impart the righteousness. Mary is not righteous in her own doing. Mary is righteous because she is trusting in God for forgiveness. Joseph is righteous, not in his ability or his action or something special about who he is. Rather, he's righteous because of what he believes of God and how he trusts him. Malachi 4.2 says this, but unto you that fear my name shall the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And we've read now about this man, Simeon, who the Bible calls, again, righteous and just. And Simeon never stopped believing the prophets. Simeon never stopped giving up that even though he couldn't see what he wanted to see immediately, that God's promises were faithful and true. And Simeon's name, even in its root, is much of what we'll see in just a few minutes, is that his name means God heard. And when he saw baby Jesus in the arms of Mary and Joseph, he knew that God had heard his plea and his cry and that God had been faithful. The Messiah had come. Go to verse number 25. Let's look at this one more time. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was just and devout. But devout to what? What was Simeon devout to? If he's righteous, trusting God for his forgiveness of sin, trusting that God would send the Messiah, then what is Simeon devoting his life to? What would cause him to be called devout? The fact that he was devout to hope. Simeon is an old man. He's in the winter years of his life, and he's in the final stages of his time here on earth. But Simeon was still holding on to the covenant, the promises he still hoped for the coming king that would bring the promised kingdom. Simeon still believed that what God had promised to David, that what God had promised to Abraham, that God would come through. And in verse 25, we see that this righteous man is also a devout man. You see, Simeon was looking for everything that God had promised to Abraham and actually believed it would happen. It was not a metaphor Simeon. He took God for his word. He trusted God that he was faithful and true, and he stayed consistent in this. And there are some things in this story as I stood on the southern steps just a few days ago that God allowed me to see, and really I felt like it was God's Christmas gift to my heart. It's almost like I got to stand there on those southern steps looking up to where the temple would have been on the very stones where Jesus was in the arms of Mary and Joseph at the entrance to the temple where Mary and Joseph would have had to walk up. Let's go ahead and put that picture up now. These are the southern steps in Israel. We took this just a few days ago. Those are the very stones that Jesus would have been in the arms of Mary and Joseph. And right up there, you see those black tile windows to the right there of the screen. Just left of there would have been the opening, the gate opening that went up into the temple and those stones even archaeologists and skeptics say those stones are authentic those stones have not been replaced those stones go all the way back to the time before Christ was even born and those stones that I stood on, I got to take my Bible and lead, read Luke chapter two and see Simeon standing there, an old man with a beard, waiting for the promise and the hope that God had promised to give. And God let me see some things out of this man's life. And I couldn't do anything but stand there and hold my Bible and cry and thank God for what he put in my heart about this wonderful man. And I wanna share a few of those things about what Simeon teaches us, about Simeon's consistency in life. And for all of us today, even though this took place thousands of years ago, it's still relevant for every Christian that's here in the room or watching online. Every single person that's in the room that's a follower of Jesus can learn so much from this faithful man who the Bible called righteous and devout. If there was anything I wish that God could say about me, is that I would be a righteous man and a devout man. I would want God to look at me and my life and the way I live and say, there is one of my faithful followers. There is a man that I can trust. There is a man that I can put some things in his heart that he'll safeguard and he'll believe me and trust me even when it doesn't make sense. There's a few things from the life of Simeon that we can all learn. Number one, God's promises to his people are guaranteed, even when it doesn't seem like reality. God's promises to his people are guaranteed, even when it doesn't seem like it's reality. Imagine being Simeon and you've lived over a 100 years plus. Some even say he was as old as 150 or 200 years old at this point in his life. Some of you here are 65, 75, maybe even 85. Some watching online, you may be pushing 90 years old. May even be somebody watching and you're closer to 100 than you are 90. It's been a long life, a long journey, ups and downs. That is the human experience. But live that life that you've lived. If you're 100 years old and multiply it maybe by two times, And then think of all the experiences, all the ups, all the downs, all the people that you've met, all the family that you've had, and the things that have taken place in even 30 years of life. I can't imagine what 200 years or 150 years of life would bring. Yet Simeon is there. He's in this old state He's in the winter years of his life and he's still being faithful to trust God and believe God that the promise that God had made to the prophet Malachi was not something that was negotiable or that God would change his mind. Rather, Simeon was there expecting that the promise was a guarantee even though it didn't look like his reality. Think of all the people around Simeon who had given up hope, who had stopped believing God for what he had promised, who had turned their back and gone a different direction. People that should have been at the house of God with Simeon that weren't there the day that Jesus showed up in the arms of Mary and Joseph. And yet he was there, faithful to believe that God's promises to his people are guaranteed. Imagine being told, I will do something and waiting 400 years for that thing to happen and still believe and still hope and still trust that God was going to come through. Our nation, the United States of America, is not even 300 years old yet. Imagine that God had given us a promise that we would be a nation and we were still under the control of a king sitting in Great Britain. How hard would it be to be 300 years separated from the first skirmish and the first action against the British and still here today and our passports say the United Kingdom? Would it be hard for us to trust God that he promised us that we would be a nation even though it's been 400 years How tough would it be? How difficult would it be? Simeon kept the faith and he knew and he understood that even though the world may be dark and the reality around you does not say that it's possible, God will always keep his promise. It's guaranteed. Everything that God has promised his children in the word of God is a promise that you can take to the bank and that you can live your life in. Anything that robs you of that promise or separates you from the truth of that promise is nothing more than spiritual warfare. Can you imagine being 150 years old and how much Advil it would take to get you up out of the bed and walking up those stone steps to go to Jerusalem? Oh my. Simeon could have said, oh, today, God, I'm I'm too tired. God, today is just going to be one of those days I've got to stay back and I've got to be comfortable. I've got to have some rest. No, Simeon got up. He followed the Holy Ghost. It took him to the house of God and he was guaranteed a promise. It came to fruition before his very eyes. You have to follow the will of God for your life and expect that his promise is guaranteed. Secondly, God's answer will always come when we're close to his house. God's answer, the one that you're looking for, the one you're waiting on, the thing you've been praying for for many years, that answer will come, but it'll only come when you're close to his house. Look what verse 27 says. It says this, and he came, this is Simeon, and Simeon came by the Spirit into where? doesn't say the market, It doesn't say outside the gate. It doesn't say the city of David. It doesn't say the pool of Siloam. It says, and to the temple. It brought him to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took up in his arms and blessed God. You see, every single promise that God's made, every prayer request that you've taken before the throne of God, You can always expect to get that answer when you're closest to him. Even when it doesn't feel like he's close, the principle that we operate in and not the emotion will always be the correct path. Coming to church even when I don't feel like it. Reading my Bible even when I don't feel like it. Praying and asking God to answer the prayer request even though it's 10 years old and I feel like it'll never get answered. But it will never come when we have retreated from the house of God or retreated from our relationship with God. It will always come when we're close to his house. He came by the Spirit into the temple. Notice that God did not have to send Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus on a scavenger hunt of Jerusalem looking for this old man. No, God had this old, faithful, devout, righteous man right where he had been the entire time. Simeon did not get what he had been promised by going to greener pastures. Did you hear what I said? Simeon did not get the desire of his heart. He did not see the answer to God's promise come by going and looking for greener pastures. He didn't get the answer he was looking for by giving up on what God had asked him to do and told him to do and try to figure it out his own way. No, this old man in his winter years was just faithful to keep hitting the rock and searching for what God had told him to look for. The promise that the Messiah would come. And no one in this room is ever going to get an answer from God. No one in this room will ever live in the blessing of God for your life or your family by retreating away from what God requires of his people. God is a jealous God. And if you belong to him, he wants your time, he wants your commitment, and he wants your consistency. And that's exactly what Simeon was. He answered him because he was in the same place that he had been all those years prior. And even when it's hard, even when it's tough, you got to be faithful to your first love. Jesus has to be the priority. It was even for Simeon. This old man who had never met Jesus, this old man who did not know who Mary was or Joseph was, this old man who had not been standing in the field when the Annunciation came, even after the birth eight days later, Simeon still doesn't know. And Jesus has been breathing air from this dirty, rotten world for which he will have to die. And Simeon still doesn't know. But he got up that morning, eight days after Jesus had been born, and he kept doing what he'd been called to do. He kept being the man God wanted him to be. And because he was at God's house being faithful, God answered the promise. He kept his end of the deal and Simeon got to behold the Christ child in the arms of Mary and Joseph. And thirdly, because of that, when God answers, he will give your heart a new song. He will give your heart a new song. You see, Simeon's secret sauce, if you will, Simeon's secret sauce is his consistency. His consistency See, Simeon came every day to the house of God with a few things in mind. He always came to the house of God with expectation that the Messiah would come. He always came to God's house and worshiped in consistency. Even though things around him were falling apart, he was consistent in what he did. You know what you've got to realize in this day and age? There are some things that you are not going to be able to control in this world. You are not going to be able to vote this thing back into a way that is right. Only God can fix hearts. Only God can touch our country. Only God can fix your children in their rebellion. Only God can go get your son, your daughter, your grandchild and correct their error. You can't do it in your own power. But if you'll be consistent in the way that you worship and if you'll come with expectation that God is faithful and true and that he's able to do it, then it might just be before God calls you home to heaven that you see the prayer answered. And when that day comes, he'll give your heart a new song. Go to verse number 28. Look what happens. Simeon meets Jesus. Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, From a new heart that has been fulfilled with the promise, he's now holding, think of this now, this man is holding the flesh, the word of God that he's recited all of his life. And now he's holding the word that has become flesh. And that little squirmy baby is in his arms and maybe his old beard's just kind of having to get out of the way. And he holds baby Jesus And he blesses God and he says this, "'Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace.'" according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people and Simeon opens up his heart and for the first time he no longer has to guess and what Jesus is going to look like he no longer has to guess if God was faithful and true all the way to the end he no longer has to wonder what it feels like to hold the Messiah God promised him for hundred years before through the prophet Malachi and now his heart has a new song and Christian you listen to me and you listen to me good there are some things in this life that only God is going to be able to fix there are some heartbreaks in this life that only God the Holy Ghost is going to be able to alter but if you'll be faithful and if you'll be true and if you'll be consistent when God answers the prayer he'll open up your heart and you'll be able to worship him and pray Praise him with a new heart and a new song like you never have before because God is faithful and true. He'll give your heart a new song. There's some of you that are praying that God would save your husband and it doesn't look like there'll never be any chance that he'll soften and surrender. Don't give up hope. You say, my child is in the world. They're living a lifestyle. They should never be living. They're a shell of the person they used to be. I don't even recognize them. Keep trusting, keep believing, keep asking and watch God do what only he can do. You say, my marriage is a wreck. There's no love, there's no passion. The flame that we used to have is gone. Keep trusting, keep believing. And keep asking God to do what only he can do. And then from that crushing, that pain, that hurt, it's the same thing that happened to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane where the weight of the world rested on his shoulder. Instead of it being olives that excreted oil, it was the son of God, this precious little baby that grew up and he's in the garden and he's asking his daddy, Father, is there another way And he comes to a point where he knows, not my will, but thy will be done. And it could be that God is putting you through the Gethsemane of your life and you're wrestling and you're toiling through the day and the night and there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no happiness, there's just the weight of the problem. Trust him anyway. Keep asking him to do what only he can do and watch God deliver on the promise that he's given. God will give you a new song for your heart. Lastly, Simeon reveals how valuable faithfulness to God really is. How valuable faithfulness to God really is. Go to verse 29 again. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simeon had some things figured out. Simeon got a hold of some real truth, and it's something that everyone in this room needs to get a hold of. At the end of the day, all that matters in this life is what's done, what's accomplished, and may I even say what's hoped for in God. Simeon saw the completeness of his life, that one thing he'd been after. This was the ultimate satisfaction for everything he has prayed for all his life. And now he's so satisfied that he rejoices in the fact that now it's time to go home. This is the ultimate picture of a faithful, righteous, devout man finishing the race Well, he comes to the end. God answers the promise that he had made. And it was so satisfying to him as an old man in his winter years. He said, God, it's time now. I can go home. I've seen what you've promised and I'm ready to die. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you can leave your kids. It doesn't matter how big the house that you live in. Is, it doesn't matter what your portfolio looks like, your retirement, or even what side of town you live on. In this Christmas consolation psalm, this song that comes from this old man's heart, there's a lot to be learned. And that's the truth of where we're all living. Where do we find our satisfaction? What's driving you to be faithful? What is that one thing that's getting you up out of the bed every morning that you can be strong and faithful and true? I hope and pray it's not money. I hope and pray it's not the things of this world. Simeon had seen things come and go, but the promise that God had made him was more important. And some of you might even miss the answer to the prayer you should have been praying Because you left the temple in the first place. You've come down off the mount. And now you've headed downhill and you're at the Dead Sea. And there it's beautiful and it's warm and it's comfortable. But if you look in the water, it's dead. There's nothing there. There is no growth. There is nothing to sustain your life. Yes, it's warm and it's comfortable. And there's less pressure there. But it's not where you belong. You belong back up on Mount Zion, on the Temple Mount, searching and looking for what God has promised. And all of us that are here, just like Simeon, we should have an element of expectation that at any minute, Jesus could come. Because just like Jesus showed up that day at the temple, And God answered his promise to Simeon. One day, church, even though it does not feel like the reality, the eastern gate is going to bust wide open. The Mount of Olives is going to split in half and water is going to rush all the way down to the Dead Sea. It's going to heal the waters and Jesus will come back for his bride. And this kingdom This literal physical kingdom, this millennial reign will begin where Jesus will be king of it all. This little baby that was in the arms of his mother and father, now in the arms of Simeon, the old man, the righteous man of Jerusalem. What are you praying for? What are you trusting God for? What's that one thing in the travail of your prayer closet? That God's put in your heart that He's going to answer the prayer. You say, What do you mean by that? I mean that this church is built on people who had a relationship with God, who believed God for big things by faith. They had a prayer life. They asked God to give them a burden for lost souls. And some of you are sitting here today because there was a Simeon in your life that kept praying, that kept trusting, and that kept believing. Who will be that for your kids? Who will be that for your family? Who's going to be that consistent flow of consistency between God and his people for your family? It's you. It's you. And Maybe you're on the back end of a tough year and Christmas is going to be different this year. Instead of joy and happiness and laughter, there may even be a tear on Christmas Day can I remind you that your God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly the condition of your heart and your emotions. And He loves you and He cares for you. And He will keep His promise to His people. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I thank God for Simeon. I thank God that He included him in the New Testament for us to see. I hope and pray that your heart Is challenged. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Someone's coming to the piano to help. If you were Simeon and you were on the temple mount today, would you be close enough to God to be led by the Holy Spirit and to recognize that that's not just another baby, but that's Jesus? You remember the Holy Spirit of God is likened unto a dove. It says the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Where are you and the Holy Spirit of God this morning? You see, a dove is very tender. Tender. A dove is easily offended and a dove will fly away at one wrong move. And the reason some of God's people are not living in victory is because the last thing they heard from the Holy Ghost of God was the wings of the dove flying away from them. Is there something in your life that's keeping you from consistency with God? Is there something in your life that's robbing you of promise? that you find in the Word of God. Well, this would be a wonderful time before we even get to Christmas. We would ask God to touch our hearts, that we'd let go of those things that do not matter. How are you going to pray this week for God to reveal to you what to bring for the birthday offering for Jesus if there's no relationship, no consistency, and you're in a faraway desert land? That's how a church becomes stale, stagnant, and useless for the kingdom. We must be tender. We must be sensitive. We must be pliable to what the Holy Ghost of God wants for every man, every woman, every teenager and young adult in this room. I'd ask you now to pray in the privacy of your own heart. Ask God to inspect your life. Inspect your heart. Old saint of God with gray hair, have you given up hope? Have you given up expectation? Are you tired of hearing about the second coming of Christ? Do you look at it with skepticism rather than hope? Ask God today to give you back your tears, your burden, your belief, that at any moment the trumpet of God could sound that Jesus would come for his bride. Do not live this life robbed of the peace, the joy, and the satisfaction of expecting Jesus to come at any moment. I'm gonna pray. The altars are open if you need to pray. You come and pray. Ask God to help you. He will. You mind the Lord. We'll pray together. Holy Father, once again in Jesus' name, we come into your presence and we thank you for who you are and for what you are. For the mercy and the grace bestowed upon all of us. God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. An opportunity for all of us to examine where we are. God, I pray that you would fortify the people, strengthen us, Give us hearts of expectation. God, my heart cry for this year is Lord, keep me consistent. Help me to be faithful as you grow me in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to be closer to you this year than I've ever been before. God, I pray that you'd start here with a man behind the pulpit. Inspect me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And God, anything that's offensive to the dove, oh God, I pray that you'd remove it. Anything that hinders... communication between me and you, Lord. I pray that you'd scrub it clean. God, take over our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. Bring us into subjection for the will of God in our lives and help us to keep our eyes fixed on the sky with expectant hearts that at any moment Jesus could come. I thank you again for Simeon. I thank you again for what you did on the southern steps there at the Temple Mount just a few days ago for my heart. Help me never to forget it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that reveals things to us in only a way that he can. Bless our church. Touch our children in just a few minutes as they come and make much of Jesus. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. Please, please hear me loud and hear me clear when I say it is very important that every single person in this room pray and ask God how they can participate in the birthday offering for Jesus. You say, Pastor, I don't have any extra this year. You know what the economy's done. You know what gas is. You know what groceries are. Yes, we do. But we have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hillsides. And if you'll just ask him, Lord, meet the need. Use me to do what you would have me to do and be faithful to be obedient to that. God will take care of the rest. It's not about the dollar amount we're bringing. It's about being obedient to what God's put in our heart. And I want you to do just that. Thank you for being faithful to God's house. I'm so touched by the number of people who are growing, who are learning, those that are being saved, the baptismal pool that's been hot these past few months. I praise the Lord for that. I pray that Christmas will be something special this year for each and every person here in the room. I love you. Good morning. God bless you. Stay for Sunday school that starts in exactly 30 minutes.